Hey, just a quick heads up. Adam's audio sucks in this episode. He feels bad, and we fixed it for next time. Sorry about that, but enjoy anyway. everyone well it's well hold on it's morning when you listen to this or maybe you listen to it whatever time i put it out in the morning that's not how our intro goes and welcome to another exciting episode of <laughs> battle of the atom this is the only x-men podcast where we rank every x-men story from a to z i'm adam and i'm zach hey zach. adam Yo, adam yes 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 you know how x-men's weird sometimes yeah, you know how it's, like, complicated and, like, impossible to explain sometimes? You know how Zorn exists? <laughs> oh, boy. Are we talking about Zorn this week, Zach? Uh, we're talking about Kayan Zorn. We're talking about Shen Zorn. We're talking about Magneto. We're talking about the, you know, mutant power source where all of the, uh, all of the mutant powers from M-Day went to. We're talking about a lot of stuff this episode. Oh, boy. Oh boy, Zorn is complicated, isn't he? We're going to get into it, but I love, I love this sweet star boy. I was actually talking to my wife. I was talking to my wife earlier today, and I said, babe, you know about Zorn, right? And she said, no. (laughs) And I said, are you sure? She said, no. Why would I know that? Because she doesn't read comic books, which is fine, and I love her anyway, despite her massive flaws there. But... I explained to her in the most simple terms what Zorn's deal was, being that he's a dude disguised as Magneto disguised as himself. And she just looked at me and she took a beat. And she said, (laughs) why do you read this stuff? It's very dumb. (laughs) And I couldn't argue. I I'm, I really do have a very similar opinion about this and I want to get into it, but I think we got to, start somewhere so what's a good place for us to start talking about zorn well the good place for us to start talking about zorn is the place that patreon supporter alexander zorak which dude good last name very good full name for an x-men podcast about a to z things (laughs) uh he went on over to patreon.com slash xavier files dropped dropped a little bit in to say hey guys i'd like i'd like an episode please and thank you and then he suggested New X-Men 127, which is written by Grant Morrison with pencils by a personal favorite of mine, Jean-Paul Leon. Yeah. And inks by Bill Sienkiewicz. So cool. Great combination, right? Oh, and before we start, can we talk about the Frank Quietly cover? Yeah, where he's uh, he's kind of meditating with a cheeseburger. Yeah, he's meditating while looking at a cheeseburger. That's all. <laughs> you guys know what Zorn looks like, right? He's he's a leather daddy X-Men. Yep. With chains across his chest in the shape of an X. And this, like, skull steel helmet with all these bolts and stuff coming out of it with glowing blue eyes. Zorn's so dope. 
Yeah. Zorn is so good. It's a great character design. Um, really bold. Also, and it fun. probably isn't pronounced Zorn, but like it should be like Shorn. Shorn really, right, right. if you if he was authentically Chinese, which he both is and isn't in some sort of uh, Schrodinger's box situation. Yeah, I want to get into but that we're gonna a call little him bit. Zorn. Let's talk about the story first. Yes. So, Adam, what happens in this story? Well, um, there is a riot that needs to be quelled in Mutant Town, um, which Gene, Scott, and uh, Zorn do. Um, there's a little bit of interacting with Professor X. There's a little bit of interacting with um, a, a gentleman in what looks to be a, a Chinatown. And then there is sort of a mutant on the loose who turns out to be a little kid um, who just, you know, kind of needs some medicine. And it's a very heartfelt story about uh, Zorn interacting with this mom and her kid. But the kid is just, he's, he's too big. You know, he, he's a real giant mutant. And spoiler alert, the kid dies. The kid gets shot by a bunch of cops because he starts rampaging, trying to get medicine for his mom who overdosed because she wanted to... I guess murder suicide her and her son because she didn't think that her son had like a life ahead of him. Mm -hmm. And the whole yeah. thing is told through Zorn writing a diary entry about it and talking, talking about his feelings on it because to the reader at this point, Zorn had been locked up by the Chinese government for years and years until the X-Men rescued him. Mm-hmm. And he's still trying to understand mutants as a, as a subculture. And it's very interesting. And it presents Zorn, who is a very peaceful character, who very much cares about the sanctity of life and the beauty of, you know, each individual's experience. And it has him, you know, having to go through all the emotions of, you know, seeing this life taken away because people hated and feared it they didn't understand it well and it's drawn a, really pretty by jean-paul leon whose moody art with sinkevich's great inks really mm -hmm. set the stage for this story yeah it's an absolutely amazing standout uh standalone issue i think what you're talking about though highlights some of the issues that uh, we should probably get into right now oh how in the grand scheme of things and with the twist about Zorn's true identity, it doesn't make any sense. None of this issue does. Yeah, that is hugely problematic. Um, I think, you know, you're speaking so highly of this character, how much you love this character. Um, but it really is a sham that Morrison is putting on because as most X fans know, Zorn here is not Zorn. He's Zornito. Well, um, he also is Zorn. That's 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 a bigger Zorn-based problem. Yeah, take a second to to walk our listeners through that because it is one of the more complicated things in X Men continuity. Okay, so this is this is going to be based on what readers know about Zorn. So Zorn first shows up and he's a new mutant for the new X Men, and that's just fine. He was locked in a Chinese prison for his whole life. Joins the X-Men. He's a healer. He heals people. He also has a star for a brain, which is one of those, like, Grant Morrison just throwaway lines that's perfect but means nothing. <laughs> means he glows through his eye sockets. It's true. Mm -hmm. Then he uh, reveals that he's actually Magneto, 
who is high on kick, which is a mutant bacteria that's also a living drug. And anyway, kick's weird. Sublime's awesome. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it then later gets revealed that that wasn't really Magneto. It was a guy named Kun Yin Zorn, who for reasons did things that have just never been well explained. So that's pretty much Zorn. But but it's more con- I mean it's interesting because Morrison clearly intended um or at least he says he intended. How about I say that cuz it's definitely not clear. Um Well, we have the tapes. We do have we do have his original pitch where he does say that yeah, the, Mag- his the whole thing Zorn is Magneto's going to infiltrate the X-Men. Yes. yes. Now um, I just want to take a quick moment. I know I ranted about this on social media the other day just to talk about how dumb an idea that is and how dumb a plan it is if that is indeed what the plan is. Um, and a lot of it just has to do with the fact that Zorn is a really authentic, genuine character and switching him out for a Silver Age version of Magneto, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, you know, we know that Magneto is recovering after Eve of Destruction. Um, we know that he wants to recruit some people, but this is definitely the dumbest way he could do it. Um, because it involves him really taking on the entire personality of a a Chinese immigrant at this point. Um, which is complicated further by, and I, I didn't notice this the, the first time I read this, but um, the, the Uyghur people have been in the news quite a bit lately because um, the Chinese government is trying to put massive numbers of, of Uyghurs into re-education camps in China right now. And it's, it's pretty clear in this issue that he is supposed to come from that area. Which is really interesting because the Uyghurs are known for being Islamic, but Zorn is Buddhist. Um, he's interacting with a a Chinese or a Uyghur immigrant in this Chinatown. So the depth of which Zorn's character is established only to be turned around to be Magneto, it's just, I don't know. It does not ring true for me. It's it's overcomplicated. Now, I want to, I wanna, because there's a lot of nuance to this i don't mind the idea of magneto being secretly infiltrating the x-men i don't i think his plan to do it as zorn is overcomplicated and bad and part of that is from grant morrison's writing style of i just cut out all the boring parts (laughs) but upon further inspection it doesn't work as well as a twist and it's frustrating because Zorn is, like Adam said, such a welder to the point that it's a plot point in Planet X, the big Magneto story in New X-Men, that all the other, all of his kids are saying, we liked Zorn better. When's Zorn coming back? And I understand <laughs> what Grant Morrison is trying to say to me, but that doesn't mean that my feelings are invalid, Grant. <laughs> and that is the basic problem. He Zorn is more interesting than Silver Age Magneto. So yeah. when it comes down to the switch, it doesn't work. Yeah. Anyway, um, taking this issue, taking this issue in a vacuum, it's really good. It's arguably it's in the it's there's an argument to be made that this might be the best single issue of Grant Morrison's new X-Men run in a vacuum with the larger yes, context I of agree. the rest of his run and everything else that goes on with Zorn. Maybe not. Yeah, I mean, if you can 
just take this on its own without the context of Zorn's weirdness and, and you know, the idea of Zornito and just think about it as a standalone uh, way for them to develop Zorn's character. It's absolutely beautiful. The art is amazing. The writing is great. Um, it's just clear. It's concise. And I like it quite a bit. So where do you think it falls on our big list here? So um, I, I think the only other Morrison story we have, which is shocking, it is shocking, is Riot and Xavier's, which is at number six. And I think yeah. because of the issues with it outside of the vacuum and because Riot and Xavier's is so good, this goes under that. Yes, I, I agree. I think this is very comparable to X-Men Legacy 300, that forget-me-not story. I was looking in the same place. I think that that's a, a, a good place. You know, we have a marquee writer. We have uh, amazing marquee artists here. And it, it's just a great character study. Um, so I'm with you on that. Is it better or worse than X-Club? I, I think it's better than X club, um, on its own. It's just an absolutely gorgeous issue. Um, it's very direct and it, it's very poetic, even the way that it tells its story about Zorn. Um, I don't know that it's better than the chamber X-Men icons mini that we, we reviewed recently. Are you, talk, um, are you which talking I think about is... the series that we willed onto Marvel unlimited? <laughs> yeah that sort of appeared magically the same day our episode came out so uh whoever's listening for marvel unlimited thanks and um, also how did you get the tapes before we released them <laughs> they have psychics there zach they have psychics um but i don't oh, i don't know this is better than that what do you think i think that's fair i think this out this on a whole is better than x club and i think it does almost as interesting things as chamber does but because yeah. of some of the fact that if you just read this issue it's great but if you think about this issue in the context of even just the rest of the morrison run it doesn't make a lick of sense i think that's its biggest issue that's yeah, the issue with this it, issue but we're judging it by just taking it on its own merit and i i think it's really really good so i think this this fits in as our new number 25 on a list that now spans 151 stories Woohoo! very good yeah, it's good. Guys, guys, Zorn's Zorn's pretty cool. But then. Can we make him more complicated than he already is? Well, what you could do, Adam, is you could, as Grant Morrison's run ends, <laughs> start an Excalibur book that has nothing to do with Excalibur, except for the fact that Chris Claremont <laughs> writes it, and then have on the last page Magneto show up, and then people say, what? Wasn't he Zorn, and didn't he just get his head cut off? And then you can also have Chuck the Truck, Chuck Austin, write his follow-up on adjectiveless X-Men, which is what New X-Men turned into, in a story called Day of the Atom. Not, oh not, not like your birthday. Not like your birthday, no. Adam. This is A-T-O-M, like our podcast. <laughs> yeah, reading this does not feel happy like my birthday. Um, because we're, we're starting to introduce, uh, a lot of the plot lines here that eventually go into things like the Draco. Um, oh, no, no, we... no. This is post Draco. This is, you've not read Chuck Austin's run in just a solid chunk. Have you? We've talked about well, this. Oh, 
Okay, so this is what is this before? I'm I'm getting it out of order. I'm sorry. This is post Draco. So this is so Chuck Austin had his uncanny run that came after like that Poptopia run. Right, right. Which was running in parallel with the Morrison stuff. Then New X Men ended after or Morrison's run ended. Chuck did two issues of New X Men that are not good. And then when they did the reloaded event that gave us such good stories as Astonishing X-Men and nothing else, uh, <laughs> Chuck Austin did Day of the Atom, which was okay. his first story on adjectiveless X-Men. He did right. that with oh, uh, you know what artist Salvador La Roca. Yeah, this is, um, this is before we get to Academy X, right? Nope. Nope. Also nope. No. This, we're oh, this would introduced be, right this off would the bat be, to... This uh, would be right at the same time as Academy X started. Okay. All right. That makes so, sense. Because they, they were doing to, the New Mutants run. They were doing a New yes. Mutants run right before then. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, Zorn has a brother. His name's Shen. Shen Zorn. <laughs> Zorn, they um, beer fest Zorn. They legitimately beer fest him saying, here's his identical twin brother, who's all the things you liked about Zorn, except for instead of a star for a brain, he has a black hole for a brain. Yes, yes, and uh, if we're not careful, he's going to suck in all of China if we don't show up and have Havoc try and contain it with his uh, amazing plasma powers and terrible costume design. It's so bad. Oh, it is ridiculously bad. It has all of these like weird... I don't even know what they are. Lights in the in the visor, and then the the three bands across his forehead are just I don't know what's going on with this design. It's bad. It's so bad because it's supposed to be a contemporary to the Leather Daddy X Men costumes, which are very good. But then you got Havoc looking like that, and then you got Polaris looking like uh, Morgana from Darkstalkers, and it's just the worst. Adam, no, oh, I thought you were fun. gone, and I thought you missed my very good Darkstalkers joke. Oh, no. I definitely heard that. Um, <laughs> I'm so... glad you laughed, man. <laughs> I was proud of it. Anyway. But yeah, th- this does have some very, very strange things um, with uh, the Immortals and um, the Collective Man, um, which is, I guess, the Chinese ver- Chi- communist Chinese version of Multiple Man. <laughs> yeah, um, Collective Man's can... done. Also, it's Morrigan, not oh. Morgana. That's my B. Oh, okay. Whoops. <laughs> Someone um, was going to call me out on it if I didn't correct it. But yes, they go to China and do stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's about the sum of things is they, they have to contain this new identical brother. And um, yeah, it's not it's not great, you know, as other Chuck Austin things are. This is probably the best arc of Chuck Austin's run. Like... This is the one where there's the least offensive stuff. The fact that Zorn gets an identical twin brother is dumb. It's very dumb. The uh, but mm-hmm. there's there's a couple of there's a couple of funny moments like when Cyclops has reorganized all the teams and he's giving everyone team assignments. You know, everyone's <laughs> fighting about it, and then they all walk into uh, Cyclops's office, and he says, "I'm not changing the friggin' team assignments. Go be adults." Yeah. And that definitely feels almost like a Jason Aaron Wolverine in the X-Men moment, which is really funny. Um, Unfortunately, we're carrying on with a lot of Chuck Austin's long running plot threads with Juggernaut and Harry and Polaris. Iceman being a huge jerk. 
Yeah, and and none of it really seems to ring true. I, I just don't find it enjoyable at all. So um, this serves to further complicate Zorn uh, and then also continue Chuck Austin weird badness. Oh, you know that Bishop goes blind in this issue? In this issue? Where'd that happen? Or in this series. Yeah, a card oh, blows in up series. in his face. Or in this, oh no, in God. this run, you read it. It's just, it's oddly thrown into the, uh, into the background of it. Huh. Not Bishop. The other one. Gambit. That's his name. Oh, the big, card boy. Big, big difference there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, introduced very similar times. They have, they have less differences than you'd think. That's true. They're just mortal enemies. Um, but yes, Gambit, uh, Gambit is blinded. <laughs> i'm sorry uh but is that really all that interesting it's not uh it's interesting when gambit gets uh he's he's blind for like a year and he gets the ability to see the future in playing cards as a secondary mutation question mark my goodness chuck the truck chuck my my boy i'm so happy I am so happy that you've got that Steven Universe money now, and you've got that, like, you got that She-Ra thing going on, and it seems like you really figured out how to do things. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're listening, would love to talk to you. I have so many things to ask. (laughs) We would be nice. Um, So, yeah, this ain't great. Um, I'm looking pretty low on the list. Where are you thinking? Okay, so it's better than the Draco. Yes. Do we have do we have any other Chuck stories on here? Uh no. I believe we've referred to some, but I don't think that we've actually reviewed any. Is it better um, or worse than Poptopia? I think it's probably better than Poptopia. I think it's less interesting than Poptopia, but like this is this is uh, bad, but it's like inoffensively bad. It's boring, yeah, which it's, is a weird thing for Austin's run. Yeah. Um, but I think it is, I think maybe mechanics, which we reviewed recently, might actually be better than this because it's overly clumsy and complex. But I, I think at least some things might work there. I'm not really sure what's working here. Yeah, actually, I think you're 100% right. I was looking a little bit farther up the list. It's like, okay, where's my ceiling in case Adam's wanting to diss that story where Adam acts the extremist back and things have never been deadlier. But no, <laughs> I think you're I think you're absolutely right. This can be okay. our new number, thir- w- not 36, 136 on this list. Uh, X-Men 157 through 160. I forget what the end of it is. It's four issues. 160. Uh, it's called yes. Day of the Atom. It's not great. Nope. We're going to shift gears, though, to a good story. Uh, yeah. Um, this, this one's is the really first time fun. We're, we're delving into it. We're delving into it, Adam. We've never done that before. I don't think we have delved into the battle world, have we? Yeah, no, we haven't delved into Battle World. Hey, do you know do you know the things about the thing about Battle World? Um, you can do whatever the heck you want and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh Battle World is all that remains of all of the universe. It is the firmament mm-hmm. of which all things lie and Doom is the god king. He's God Emperor Doom. Uh it is patrolled by Thors 
who are a bunch of Thors. And it's very good. It's so good. This is from the 2015 Secret Wars yeah. series. And do you know what we're gonna do you know what story we're gonna talk about? Uh, we're gonna talk about one that has some Zorn in it, which is E is for Extinction. This is E is for Extinction. It is written by Chris Burnham and Dennis Culver with pencils and inks by Coach, Mr. Vertigo Comics himself, Ramon Villalobos. Yes. Dude, uh, I love doing... Ramon. Ramon's so yeah. good. Have you read Border yeah, Town? Yeah, and it's such... I have not. No, is that, is that good? I should, I should check yeah, that it out. Just, it just came out. The first issue just came out from oh, okay. Vertigo Comics. This is new. Mm-hmm. Ramon, Ramon's art is so good in that. It's got some Chupacabra type activity in there. It's great. Cool. Well, the art here is fantastic. It's a nice nod to Quitely, um, but it's still definitely uh, of its own style. And it's perfectly suited for telling this story. Well, what's um, nice about it, what's nice about it is it's Quitely-esque, mm-hmm. but it's very much its own thing. Because like yes. everything in the plot, the art is cranked up to like 30 <laughs> it goes <laughs> way past where you expect things to be it's not just a retread of morrison's new x-men it is an expansion on those ideas and an expansion on those ideas where you have a rule a world without a continuing universe so you can just screw up everything well I, and before we get too detailed into the story, I just want to compliment Marvel for coming up with uh, an excuse, essentially, to let these mini series happen. I realize that from on a, you know, maybe from a financial perspective, from a business perspective, this might not have been the smartest thing to do. Um, it also Secret might Wars not have been issues. the. Yeah, it also narratively makes absolutely no sense to have like battle worlds exist and like that is the you know like you you said the the, uh, sort of the continents that establish what the secret world universe is after doom saves the universe however some of the most fun marvel comics of the last 10 years came out of those minis um and this is I I really like this one. So do you want to just try and summarize it? Because there's a lot happening in these four issues. Okay, so... You know how Morrison's new X-Men starts out with Charles Xavier putting a gun to his head and yelling at Cassandra Nova saying, I will shoot. I will kill myself. And then he doesn't because Cassandra Nova was living in his brain. Cassandra Nova is his sister. His, uh, well... His psychic sister, who's his Mumbai, <laughs> whatever, some made up Shi'ar. Mumbai cares. Yeah. <laughs> Who is the whom he, whom he killed in utero? Well, that was figurative because she's more the uh, manifestation of all of his evil, and that all men and women and children, everyone must fight theirs when they are born. <laughs> That's a Shi'ar thing. That's very real. Because Grant Morrison is perfect. <laughs> Anyway, instead of him not shooting himself, he's holding two guns and shoots himself and blows out his brains in the blood splatter of an X. And then Magneto (laughs) doesn't have to be Zorn and he can uh, start his own school of X-Men who are the next generation of X-Men with Glob Herman, who is great, Ernst, Mm -hmm. uh, the Stepford Cuckoos, Beak, uh, Angel Salvador. It's so... Quentin Choir. Quentin Choir. There's... There's jokes about uh, where the heck no girl is. 
<laughs> oh, because that becomes important because, spoiler alert for later, actually, no, we're going to hold on. No girl becomes important because we need to really go over the plot on this one because it's nuts. Yes. So anyway. Well, and, our, and our regular X-Men are, are kind of old and washed up. Yeah, uh, these are the new X-Men. Those are the classic X-Men. Yes. And it goes through this whole thing. The classic X-Men are like, I don't like this Magneto fella. We're going to do something about it. So old Cyclops, old Emma, and old Wolverine go break out Zorn, who is – Zorn's here. Don't think about it. Yes. Not Magne- not Zornito. Zorn. They go to the school, find out through Emma's spy, Quentin, that Magneto has been keeping Gene in the Phoenix egg in his basement. And then it just – all hell breaks loose? Oh, because <laughs> because Magneto and Zorn fight, and then Magneto dies, and Quentin choirs around, and then accidentally Quentin choirs a spy, and then Beast has been possessed by John Sublime, and he's the Beast from the end of New X Men, and he brings all the other beasts from all the other different places of Battle World, and they all start fighting, and then it turns out that. Uh, <laughs> that Professor X has possessed Quentin Quire, but turns out No Girl is actually Cassandra Nova, and she possesses. Who does No Girl end up possessing? Uh, Jean, Jean Grey. Oh, no, yeah. no, yeah. No Girl is actually Cassandra Nova, who ends up possessing Phoenix Power Jean Grey. So you have Cassandra Nova versus Xavier, but it's really Quentin Quire versus Jean Grey, and it just turns into this giant friggin' fight that is beautifully rendered by mr vertigo comics himself you and also forgot that it, that uh we also have a couple more combos where emma uh teams up with the cuckoos uh, to and they become the, the six, six in and one in one of the best pages of x-men history it's beautiful it's beautiful and xavier combines with wolverine uh at the end of the story oh to become God. the real weapon x <laughs> I forgot he body jumps again. This is only four issues. There's a lot of comics. You're getting your money's worth in this one, guys. Yeah, but it's not a mess. It's it's tightly plotted. Uh, it's well scripted. The art is very very clear, and it almost feels just like a natural extension of that Morrison era. It doesn't feel it's bananas. It's out there, but it also you know works. Yeah, it's fun. It's a what if to the <laughs> highest extent. And this is like, I, I really do wish, I really wish Marvel would do more standalone, like, you know, DC style Elseworlds things where, hey, we're going to do a short run on this alternate universe. So we're just going to do stuff and be creative. And you can get so many cool things out of that. Like, I love well, that's all what's... of the extensions of the ideas here. Yeah, I think that's what's exciting about Marvel doing uh, some upcoming what if issues, because I I think they recognize that there is so much possibility when you don't have to necessarily worry about canon and continuity. And you can make a series like Worst X-Man Ever. You can make a series like Years of Future Past that are just playing around with things that have happened in the universe and and really doing new things that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do with current continuity. Um, this is a great example of that. Yeah, this story is dope. Like, 
the colors are fantastic. The art's fantastic. The scripting is so tight. It is an amazingly fun story to read. It is... It's probably my favorite thing from Secret Wars. Like, it's real good. There's so many great callbacks. There's a part where, you know, Scott's reaching out to a Phoenix gene. And instead of, as she does at the very end of New X-Men, where she says, Live, Scott, live. She says, Die, Scott, die. And then kills him. (laughs) And it's so freaking good. It's a love letter to one of my favorite eras of X-Men. And it does so many cool things. Like... Guys, check out these four issues. They're so cool. I love them so much. Well, and I will also say that, you know, as we've been uh, tweeting, getting ready for this episode, we, we've, at least I've definitely encountered some resistance on Morrison's uh, new X-Men. People saying that they never liked it, that, you know, they never understood why it's so highly regarded. And I will say that if you're in that camp, you still might want to check this out because it does some structural things that refer back to that era, but are doing fun things with them. Much like Dennis Hopeless did when he went back to riot in Xavier's um, in Teen Gene um, during Psych Wars. I, I think it's playing around with these things in fun ways that you may enjoy, even if that's not like your favorite era. Yeah, this is a fun thing and I really like it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for Bill Lobos' art. I really am. Like, he did a uh, Nighthawk series for, uh, is it Nighthawk? Whatever the Squadron Supreme boy is. I think Nighthawk. With uh, David F. Yeah, with David Walker. Uh, And it is just fabulous. Like, he has such a, yeah, Nighthawk, I was right. He has such a unique and vibrant and engaging style like he is the one to watch out for you're either gonna love his art or you're absolutely gonna hate it and it's fine everyone's wrong about something in their life (laughs) well the one thing you can't say it's that is bad um you gotta at least respect what he's doing on the page uh he's telling stories very very successfully so this is this is a story that i really like adam i want i want you to I want you to say where you, th- what you think is a good starting point on this list for comparison, because I don't think that I am in a good state to say that. Well, I think um, I think both of us hold this in pretty high esteem. I think it's done very well, and I think a place on the list right off the bat where we can see some comparison is um, the extension of another Battle World series, which was X Men ninety two at thirty four. Um, and we also have at 33, um, a what if story, what if Wolverine was Lord of the vampires? Um, which I do think that this does embody the, you know, the feeling of a what if book, um, and doing it in a very successful way without rushing through it in a single issue, It, it gets room to breathe. So I don't know if you were thinking that high on the list, but, um, I I think those are some good Good things to compare. I think it this to. is better. I think this is better than both of those. Like I've said, I love X Men '92. I think that's the weakest story in X Men '92, mm-hmm. and I love What If Wolverine Was Lord of the Vampires. <laughs> but hey, it's the spooky month, and you know there's a sequel to that, right? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what what if he was Lord of the Vampires during Inferno? We haven't covered that though, right? No, not not think. yet. But yeah. that combines two things that I remember from this podcast. <laughs> anyway, this is better than what if Wolverine was Lord of the in Vampires. Yeah, in Inferno or otherwise, I would be. I'd be open to putting it above Morlocks, but I don't know if I'd be okay with going past Magic. What do you think about that? I mean, look, if if this was just me, yeah, and You'd me talking about what books what books hit my exact aesthetic, mm-hmm. this would probably go above the Brood Saga at number sixteen. That's why I wanted you to start this list. Adam. Oh, okay, yeah, I I don't know if I would go that high. Um, I I admit this is like really really well done. I just this just it, checks it, all of my boxes. Like if maggots showed up, yeah. would be the only way that this would be like more of a comic to hand and say, "Hey Zach, this is probably what you want out of X Men." Yeah, it's weird in ways that like Ecstatic is weird, X Club is weird, um, but it also is you know like completely non canonical. Not that that really matters, but. Like, I don't know if you need this so much. I would um, say I would say it's probably objectively not as tight as like Astonishing X Men Dangerous at twenty nine. If yeah. I'm if I'm being real real, it's probably not as tight as that. So I think that gives between Morlocks, which I think this is I personally think this is better than Morlocks, which is a fun story. Okay, I'm okay with that. I I'm open to that. Um, and we I want to hear your very... arg- I want to hear your arguments about Storm and Eliana and X Factor Endgame. I I feel like uh, Magic is such an important story uh, to the canon of X Men, um, as is Endgame. Strangely enough, you know that is oddly a very classic story that is is factored into uh, X Men mythology very very uh, structurally. So. Um, I can see putting this above them. I think it has a lot of artistic merit. I think it's written very, very well, but I agree. It's not, I don't know if it's as polished as the astonishing X-Men dangerous. Um, but my nostalgia factor would probably put Endgame ahead of this. So here's the problem. You're a lot hotter on Endgame than I am, but I'm a lot hotter on this than you are. I hear, I hear you on the importance of magic. I legitimately do. What I would say is magic is an uneven story with uneven art. Yeah. Where I could see that. I think this this hits all the cylinders. So I think if if we if we want to compromise, mm-hmm. let's put it below endgame above magic. I'm okay with that. Let's do that. I think see guys. We can get along in this crazy mixed up world because Adam and I just found a way to put E is for Extinction, not the one from Grant Morrison, which, oh my gosh, the actual Grant Morrison one in this are going to be a fun convo. Uh, but the Secret Wars E is for Extinction at number 31 on our big old X-Men list. Nice. That did very well. Yeah, that was a that was a good good showing. Now, Adam, where can people find you online if they want to just chat about your feelings about this good story 
<laughs> yeah, guys, if you want to come at me about Zorn uh, and and my feelings about why he doesn't work, please do. I'm on Twitter at Arthur Stacy, and I've got new pages of the fourth issue of Bishon Jubes, Attack on the Mansion, coming out every X Men Monday at adamreck.tumblr.com. And where can people find you, Zach? Well, people can find me on xavierfiles.com. That's the website where this podcast is and some other stuff. Uh, there's also the upcoming guide to exceptional cooking, baking, excuse me, that friend yes. of the show Charlie Davis is putting together that Adam and I both have pieces in. The Kickstarter mm-hmm. should still be going on for that right now. So if you haven't yet, I can tell you that you want to read that rum cake recipe because it's very funny. And also a good rum cake, and then also has good Adam Rec art. And I like that yeah, guy's if, art. It's very fun. If you're listening to this, you're going to want it. I've seen enough of the artwork, and I, you're going to want a copy. It's going to be awesome. Right. In other news, if you want to get a episode you know, of this podcast kind of crafted around one of your thoughts, if you want to make us talk about Zorn for th- another 40 minutes... You can be just like Alexander and go over to patreon.com slash files. If you drop in at the $2 level, we will do that thing where we make an episode for you. There's other levels, too, if you want to give us more money. I mean, look, I won't say no. And I guess the stunned silence means neither will Adam. <laughs> no, we won't say no. I'm sorry. Um, all right. I think I think I'm just a little stymied by how confusing Zorn is and how he ends up being the Phoenix at the end of he is he's for extension uh, battle world. So yeah. he's he's quite a boy. He's quite a boy. <laughs> I forgot is. about that. He becomes he becomes a mix of the pure white and the black of Cassandra Nova to become gray and the Phoenix. Yes. Because yeah. the whole thing leads up to a weird pun. And, oh, that's a good story. <laughs> I forgot about that before. Anyway, I think Next we survived week, the experience. We did. Well, <laughs> I mean, we'll see how we do when it comes to next week where we are going to talk about uh, uh, times about the X-Men protecting and also serving. But until then, this has been Battle of the Atom, and we hope you survived the experience. Get it!